Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The CV CV Report. TPS Report. The CV Report. Give us one word to describe what you're going through right now. Sucky. Sucky. Yeah. I know it's just a Nissan Frontier, but in my mind, this thing's an M1 Abrams tank. Honey, take the wheel. I'm going to stick my head out of the sunroof. Look, any self-respecting veteran should grow a beard and have a belly. That's the dumbest thing I've heard all day. Like, if we're going to start getting angry now, it's it's a little late. Is live in D.C. with the update on all of this. Good morning. Maybe. I guess not. The CV Report. Welcome to the CV Report. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. And the CV Report's powered by Intercom's ConnectingVets.com, where you'll find a whole host of stories that are about veterans, for veterans, and news you can use. This episode, in a word, we'll describe as diverse. We'll talk about the state of Nebraska and what it wants to do for military retirees who make their home there. We'll talk about heathens in the military, specifically heathen Heathen ceremonies ceremonies in the the Navy. (laughs) And we'll have a special guest who's going to make sure that Congress is looking out for veterans in 2019. Melissa Bryant, Chief Policy Officer for Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. But first, let's jump into some news. Let's start with the border. President Donald Trump urged congressional Democrats to fund his long-promised border wall Tuesday night in a televised address. Speaking from the Oval Office for the first time, Trump argued that the wall was needed to resolve a security and humanitarian crisis. All Americans are hurt by uncontrolled illegal migration. It strains public resources and drives down jobs and wages. This is a humanitarian crisis, a crisis of the heart and a crisis of the soul. One of the points President Trump addressed was the problem with drugs flowing in from our southern border. And he illustrated his point by using an interesting statistic that compared it to the Vietnam War. Every week, 300 of our citizens are killed by heroin alone, 90% of which floods across from our southern border. More Americans will die from drugs this year then were killed in the entire Vietnam War. Democrats, in response, accused President Trump of appealing to fear, not facts, manufacturing a border crisis for political gain. The fact is, on the very first day of this Congress, House Democrats passed Senate Republican legislation to reopen government and fund smart, effective border security solutions. But the president is rejecting these bipartisan bills which would reopen government over his obsession with forcing American taxpayers to waste billions of dollars on an expensive and ineffective wall. The disagreement over border wall funding 
has resulted in the partial government shutdown, which has now reached its 18th day, making the closure the second longest in history. And hundreds of thousands of federal workers are going without pay, and government disruptions are hitting home with everyday Americans and veterans alike. President Trump concluded his address to the nation by making this plea. To every member of Congress, pass a bill that ends this crisis. To every citizen, call Congress and tell them to finally, after all of these decades, secure our border. Attention retired military veterans. The state of Nebraska wants you to consider retiring there. Governor Pete Ricketts recently unveiled a proposal to provide more generous income tax breaks for retired military veterans, replacing a current exemption that he called clunky, inadequate, and unjust. The Republican governor who tried and failed in 2015 to provide a better tax break for such retirees said the time is now to help Nebraska's workforce shortage by retaining military retirees with high-tech backgrounds and helping enhance the state's standing as a place to retire for veterans. Five of Nebraska's six neighboring states now provide more generous tax breaks for retired military, according to Ricketts. 29 states overall have some kind of benefit. Ricketts went on to say, we don't want to provide disincentives for retired veterans to stay in our state. He announced the proposal in front of about 60 veterans and their families gathered at the state capitol. The idea will be introduced during the 2019 state legislative session, which begins later this week. Now, personally speaking, as a Navy veteran, I'm not sure that I could be compelled to go to Nebraska to retire. I mean, when I visualized where I would be in those golden years, it involves a sandy beach and an ocean and endless margaritas. But I don't know, Nebraska? I mean, what do you got? You got some cool stuff there. I mean, there's some incredible fishing. There's some great deer hunting. Get yourself a 20-point buck. I don't know. I mean, provided the retirement community has one hell of an awesome promotional video, um, I think I could be swayed. I don't know. I mean, really, when it comes down to my wallet, that's a huge, huge factor. So uh, show me the money. All right, this next story I absolutely love and made me chuckle the entire time I read it. And it touches my heart because this is where I served in the world's finest Navy. Talking about the greatest aircraft carrier, CVN-74, USS John C. Stennis. This article comes to us from Military.com by Hope Hodgsek, and she writes, If you're deployed aboard the USS John C. Stennis and consider yourself a practitioner of Norse paganism, well, you're in luck. The carrier, now operating in the Persian Gulf, is holding lay services in the ship's chapel to serve a small but committed group of sailors identifying as heathens according to a recent news release from the carrier. Man, I would have loved to work in the PAO office when they wrote that press release. I can hear my old PAO, Commander Reed, going, Briggs, I've had the perfect religion for you. They don't meet till 3 p.m. so you can sleep in. You can grow a beard, and I'm sure they won't look down on you for drinking as much as you do. It's called heathenism. But apparently the development is the latest in a series of boosts for heathenism in the U.S. military a little-known religion with roots in Viking mythology that has gradually gained recognition in the services. Apparently, a 2013 non-scientific census poll by the North Mythology blog identified nearly 8,000 heathen respondents in the U.S. (laughs) And apparently, 16,000 worldwide. (laughs) I don't mean to laugh, sorry. According to the press release, aviation electrician's mate second class Joshua Wood, a practitioner of heathenry for more than five years, was appointed heathen lay leader for the carrier. This distinction allows him to facilitate some bolts. 
some bells, some bulls, or informal heathen religious services within the ship's chapel. <laughs> Which is kind of weird that heathens want to hold their services in the ship's chapel, you know, adorned with all this religious stuff and crosses. I've actually been on the Stennis' chapel. It's quite nice. Wouldn't you think heathenism would be better practiced? I don't know, like in the aviation ordnance locker. In the forecastle. Arr. Going back to the pirate days. Where the anchor chains are. I don't know why piracy has anything to do with heathenism. It, it just sounds like it'd be connected. The article goes on to say that heathens aboard the Stennis pray to one of many deities recognized by the religion. Airman Shikoski is quoted later in this article saying that uh, heathens aboard the Stennis pray to Nord, the, the god of seafarers. <laughs> oh, and this is nice. He also added that rumors of practices such as animal sacrifice are not credible. We're not killing cats up here. Which is also good news considering how the hell would you get an animal on an aircraft carrier without anybody seeing it or knowing about it? Not the 1800s. We don't have goats on ships anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I think the real roots of paganry on the John C. Stennis come from my original days there. As a plank owner, I was there from the beginning. Look it up. My name is on the wall. J.O. 3 Briggs. <laughs> and uh, we had this, uh, I don't know, ship's radio station. I think it actually went through the cable TV system, like on one of the TV channels. But it was essentially like a 10-disc CD changer that we would just upload new discs into occasionally, and it just played shuffle. But among some of the songs I remember playing were groups like Godsmack. Yeah, yeah. Sully and uh, I don't know if the whole band's witches, but I mean, they definitely are pagans. Or at least at one point in time, he said he was a white witch. And the music that I think really tipped it over the edge, the music that I think I inspired paganism with, is none other than the American pagan classic, Marilyn Manson. Yeah, yeah, I played the hell out of that. Yeah, Marilyn Manson, right? Uh, <laughs> trip down memory lane, down um, high school, or middle school for me, really. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, you're young. All right. <laughs> Here for some perspective is my national affairs correspondent, connecting vets.com reporter Matt Saint Singh. And religious freedom extremist, I might add. I am all, if you want to practice whatever you want to do, have at it, man. Have at it. <laughs> And I noticed you're sporting a beard. I never once thought to ask you this. Is this because you worship the Norse god of uh, of seafarers, uh, Mjolnir? No, um, I, I I grew the beard initially um, to try to impress women, and turns and turns out it kind of worked, so I kept it. Okay. So and that's the you know you know uh, it, we're not reaching into into the the divine with this. Okay. But uh, nor but, are you a pagan. Nor am I. Nor am I pagan. Correct. Okay, Correct. Cool. Yeah. Uh, tell me about this. Uh, you have an interesting story to share that you hit me up with here in the hallway about religion in the military. Tell me about your backstory. So, you know, I'm not a religious person. 
Okay. Um, usually, you know, I'm, I have a live and let live mentality. If whatever you want to pray to on the weekends and on the freakends, you know, uh, <laughs> Go crazy, you know. If you, you do, you bro. Yeah, if you want to get up at nine o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, you know you're a better man than I, right? So, so th- this is the kind of mentality I've adopted in my life. Um, but in basic training, you know, I was in the army, right. and um, in basic training, you know, I was eighteen year old Matt Saintsing, Private Saintsing, and Sundays were a day to get away from the drill sergeants, yes. and it was also a day that the drill sergeants got away from you, you know. Uh, if they could have an hour and a half every Sunday just smoking and joking, not have to deal with, you know, 200 dipshit privates doing God knows what, they're going to do that. And so they encouraged encouraged everyone to um, go to, to pick a religious service every Sunday. And, you know, I have no real tethers to any organized religion, really. And so I said, okay, I'm going to... Every Sunday, I'm going to pick a new church, and I'm going to see what they're all about. And, you know, highest bidder wins, right, basically, <laughs> is what I was going to. But um, Show it, me the salvation. Yeah, no way, yeah. Way. And it was interesting, you know, I, um, I, fir- I started off with a Catholic, okay. um, went, went to Mass. I, I figured I was trying to go to ones that were the longest because I wanted the most time away from the drill sergeants, you know. So, so you went to mass, you know, and you sit there and try not to fall asleep in the back, you know. You get sneak, you can sneak a little bit of wine and some crackers, you know. And for an eighteen-year-old guy in basic training, you know, it, it, that's not bad, right? Your thimble of wine. Is, yeah, exactly, right. A big selling. If you drink it really fast, you can get kind of a buzz. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but what I found was that the only one that I repeated, the only religious service I repeated, was the Lutherans. Oh, okay. And that is because it is the longest service of all of them. And I had like by the time it was done, it was already lunchtime and I was already eating on Sunday. You know, so like imagine, you know, <laughs> army based training, you know, sucks. And so if you have a morning every week, you can kind of recharge the batteries and do things you're not supposed to be doing. Right. Um, I don't think there was a pagan uh, opportunity. No, well, right. I was there, but if it was, I definitely would have gone for it. Um, but I did go to a Muslim service. Oh, did um, you? Which this was. It was one of the more interesting ones, and you know, I knew nothing about Islam. Um, I was interested in, uh, interested in it personally, you know, so, so to speak. Um, not in a religious sense, but in almost an academic maybe sense. Like, was, what are they doing here? What exactly, is this thing all about? Exactly. Why, what's with the rugs? It, why the, the you know, the Why bowing? we praying to Mecca? Why, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. You learn about the Kebla stone and why that's significant. It's really interesting. I was maybe one of three, I think, students, or uh, students, uh, basic trainees that were, yeah. that was there. But the time I was there, they- You were probably put on a list, too. Yeah, you know, right, they, yeah. We saw Saints yeah, and yeah. going to the- And uh, now I have the beard, so, yeah, right, yeah. Um, got my eye on you, buddy. All right, from a conversation about religious freedoms to somebody that goes and protects those that protect all of our freedoms. And I'm talking about those that have served in Iraq and Afghanistan and Melissa Bryant, Chief Policy Officer from Iraq, Afghanistan Veterans of America, joins us. Melissa, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Really good. And always good to have our friends at IAVA with us. Well, thank you so much for having us. You've always been such great friends to IAVA. Well, at Connecting Vets, we do like to cover exactly what's going on, and we like to know about it from the front lines. And certainly, most recently, you were on the front lines with the annual Storming the Hill. And I'm a little bit frustrated to say that Congress really dropped the ball on several issues that are going to affect veterans. So talk to me about some of the things you're looking forward to dealing with in 2019. Well, IVA, we this year, or I should say 2018, was our year to really make an impact for 
six of our top priorities, and it started with prevention of suicide amongst our troops and veterans, reducing that 20-a-day number, uh, and then it was also going all the way through uh, the other six, and that support for women veterans like myself. I was an Army veteran, or I am an Army veteran. Uh, it's also defense of the GI Bill, because once and forever GI Bill is passed, as IAV has known ever since we passed the post-11 GI Bill, you're constantly defending it from fraud, waste, abuse, and cuts. It's also reform of government, uh, which includes the VA and DOD. There's plenty to unpack there, especially on the VA side. Uh, it includes uh, looking toward uh, can't supporting cannabis for veterans who want to utilize that as a treatment option, especially given our opioid crisis. Then lastly, it includes uh, support for injuries from burn pits and toxic exposures. That's something that has been huge within our population. For years, our population has been sounding off that this is a problem. And we really created a major campaign this year to create support for burn pits and to uh, create for accountability in the government. Uh, for burn pit use that we know is going on for the entire time that we've been in Afghanistan and Iraq. Well, we appreciate you swinging the big hammer out there. And making laws is like making sausage. I mean, you just don't want to see it done. It takes forever. It's not necessarily a clean or a neat process. But you're there. You're in the kitchen. Tell me specifically, where are we with burn pits? What were we looking for and where did we leave it? Well, in 19, in 18, we created the Burn Pits Accountability Act. We worked with uh, Representative Tulsi Gabbard, Democrat from Hawaii, Representative Brian Mast, Republican from Florida, um, Post-11 veterans themselves, uh, huge champions for this issue. And we gained over 160 co-sponsors in the House, and uh, I believe it was over 170 overall between the House and the Senate uh, for the versions of the Burn Pit Accountability Act. That will get passed in 2019. I'm entirely optimistic that we're going to get that passed in 2019. It just seems the introduction may have been a little bit too late in 2018. It missed the uh, National Defense Authorization Act, which is a major vehicle for a lot of DOD legislation. But I really do have confidence that we're going to make that work in 2019. Um, How will it affect the veteran that, say, has the exposure? What is the net effect for somebody if this gets passed? Well, right now, for anyone who's been exposed, you'd have to fight that with the VA, just like any other individual claim of something that's service-connected, which can be, for anyone who's gone through the process, a long haul. So what we're hoping to do is eventually get to presumption of illness, uh, just like we did for Agent Orange for our fathers and, and mothers who served in Vietnam. And it's something that we know may be a long haul, but we're already 17 years into this, and time has passed. Enough time has passed to know that there is a body of research, that there is a correlation between perm pits and other toxic exposures and rare cancers and uh, respiratory pulmonary illnesses that many of us are now seeing manifest uh, post-deployment. And so this is the first step in getting that recognized. It's the first step in being able to show presumption of illness based off of those exposures. Right on. And I would imagine at IAVA.org or at VietnamVeteransOfAmerica.org, I know there are links to the burn registry. So you can, if you are a GWAT veteran, you can go in there and enter your name and get on that registry. Absolutely. There are links there. If you go to IAVA.org backslash burn pits, and then you should be able to see our whole hub where we keep that central repository. If you also look at our blogs at IAVA Post, also on our website, um, we uh published a blog uh, not too long ago where we went through the entire registry how-to directions. All right. Now, that sounds like a very winnable fight. Let's talk about one that I was surprised that failed in 2018. It's the bill that would have 
I don't know, essentially ordered the VA to start doing scientific research regarding cannabis. And it got out of committee. It made it out of the House Veterans Affairs Committee and hit the floor. And then it never went anywhere. And people backed off of it or the House Rules Committee or various representatives got in the way and, you know, didn't want to table it for a vote. But what the hell happened? And what are you guys doing to ensure that we can really start doing some just scientific research on cannabis as it relates to veterans who are trying to get relief from it. We've been pushing on this for so pretty much since May, since it made it out of committee. Uh, H.R. 5520. Oh, excuse me, uh, 5520. The, yeah, okay. That, yeah. yeah, 5520 is the number of the bill, and you're absolutely right. It made it out of committee. It's bipartisan. Uh, it's backed by also Chairman Rowe, um, and there's so much that really – should be done vis-a-vis cannabis and making that a treatment option, especially since we've seen in our member survey year over year and other organizations have as well, seeing not just an increasing tolerance for cannabis, but wanting it, want, having that desire to have this as a treatment option. And it's something that's absolutely shameful that it wasn't brought to the floor for a vote. And you're right, it's for a multitude of reasons. We've talked on uh, in the background with uh, several of the House members, at least, who uh, wanted to, at first place, a hold on it. Uh, we talked with folks and wanting to advance it. And then you just frankly ran out of time. You know, you started butting up against the midterms. You go into the lame duck session. And once it becomes December, then who knows what's going to happen at that point. Um, and that's something that's really a shame because we're going to continue to push for that. You're absolutely right for the VA Medicinal Cannabis Research Act and that all it says is for VA, do the research. Go ahead, let the let Congress know what you're doing. The timeline is not terribly rigorous on it. Um, it's something that is entirely doable and it has extreme bipartisan support. I think you're going to see a lot of movement in cannabis in 2019 as well. Um, and it's not just going to be on the VA and, and the veteran side, but I, it's already an issue where the wave is cresting for our country. And we saw in the midterms three more states add medicinal cannabis to their um, or to their laws. And so you're going to continue to see that. You're going to continue to see recreational cannabis added to other states. And so as you start to see that, I think the VA will eventually come around and realize that this is something that could be a treatment option for our troops and veterans. Now, while I appreciate you saying that, you said something that I think D.C. people understand, but it's very it was a very curious word in there. And and I kind of want to explore it with you because this is what Storm the Hill's about. You said that you've talked to people on background. And that's yeah. really kind of <laughs> like it's a cool term you and I understand being in media. You know, on background means basically people from congressman's office don't want their name attached with what they said to you. They're too uh, they don't want to go out on a limb. They don't want to put their neck out. Can I just sit, call it what it is? They're too chicken. You can call it what it is. They're that's, too damn yeah. chicken to go on record. Say some shit about this. So what I'm curious is is <laughs> when, when they went on background with you. Do you guys, when you get in those conversations, are you able to stand before a congressman or their chief of staff and say, hey, Hosehead, you dropped the ball with this. The country wants cannabis and all we're asking, we don't even want you to give it to veterans across the board. We want you to do some lab studies with it. Are you able to put it in that kind of clear and plain English? Or it depends they, on who or, you're talking to. <laughs> or, or do they dance around with you and give you this, well, we're we're interested in moving it forward next session and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> 
well, the latter part wouldn't be on background if I told you who I grilled. Dang it. So we're not going to talk out of school. Okay. <laughs> nice try, it. though. All right. But yeah, you know, I mean, you're absolutely right. Sometimes when we have those very frank closed door conversations where you're really pushing an issue and you're, and you're showing them, look, your constituents, you may think on the surface they don't want this, but they do. They absolutely do. They may not be ringing your phones right now, but that's also where grassroots activation comes in. That's a part of what Storm the Hill is. And we did four of those in 2018, not just one. We did four. Um, and so, and that's all a part of that grassroots activation where you tell folks, hey, call this representative because it's the representative that's holding up a floor vote for this. Let them know that you care and let them know that you want to see this move forward. It's more so that you can tell people, hey, get your head out of your fourth point of contact and let's move forward with what the American people want. That I yeah, a little bit of army humor for you there. <laughs> no, that I love, Alyssa. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. All right. Hey, real quick, lightning round. Let's just talk. Uh, what did they say about the whole forever GI Bill and the payments being backlogged because VA's IT system wasn't good enough? Um, did any of these Congress people have any explanations? And did they give you any estimation as to when they're going to get, uh, you know, that fixed? and finally partner with, I don't know, maybe upgrade their IT system from 1989 to today. Yeah, well, the latter part of that conversation is the long pole in a tent. I mean, look, they're basically using like an Atari 7800 or like a Commodore, you know, computer or something <laughs> like that. And, and so, and, and it, it's really sad, but I mean, you know, that that's essentially where we are. Um, and in terms of how long it's going to take to fix that, that's going to be something that I would expect for rigorous oversight in 2019. Connor Lamb's going to continue to head that subcommittee on IT. And as the Democrats take control of the House, I would expect to see a lot more on what are you doing to fix the IT issue. The bottom line is that's not going to happen until at least December 2019, at least December 2019 when you're made whole. That said, the issue is still not resolved. VA is technically still not following the law. They were given one year post-August 1st of 2017, which was when the Forever GI Bill was passed. So that's something they're going to have to continue to work on. That's something the VSOs are going to continue to push on. So uh, I imagine you're going to continue to hear about this for the greater part of 2019 of what are you going to do about this Commodore 64 system that the VA is still using uh, in order to ensure that they're processing those payments on time. Real quick, what kind of advice do you have for like, uh, you know, staff sergeant getting out or like a E5, E6, just looking to, you know, get out of the service, but they'd thought, okay, this will be the year I pull the trigger on my education. What do they do in 2019? Do they take less classes? Uh, do they just not expect to use the GI Bill, maybe take a, a, a year off until they get their S together? I mean, what? No, no, absolutely not. Still use the GI Bill. Still absolutely use the GI Bill. And if you run into the slightest issue, you can reach out to IVA's Rapid Response Referral Program. They're working directly with the House Veterans Affairs Committee to let them know if there's any issues. And also with the uh, VA's uh excuse me, VA's Benefits Administration directly as well, and letting them know when there's issues with the GI Bill with anyone specific. Supposedly, at least a fix has been put in for the spring semester. So I would highly encourage you to still go ahead and enroll that transition and education we know is, is critical to a successful transition for anyone coming off of active duty or guard or reserve, investing in themselves to be a pillar of the community as we know that many of our veterans are. So absolutely, please still do it. All right, I appreciate that word of advice, Melissa, and that's why we come to you because IAVA, you know, you guys shoot straight and often. So, uh, hey, here's to the here's to the beginning of a new podcast relationship. I always look forward to talking to you and learning about the stuff we need to know about and knowing you guys are on the front lines of our defense. Melissa Bryant, IAVA, always a pleasure. Thank you so much, Phil.
All right, that'll wrap up this Connecting Vets report. I want to thank you for listening to it. I want to thank my colleague, Mr. Matt Saintsing, for sharing with us his religious experiences. <laughs> I want to thank, in this order, the public affairs team and all my shipmates on the USS John C. Stennis, proudly serving in the Persian Gulf right now. I want to thank all the veterans and plank owners of the John C. Stennis that I served with. And speaking of that era, I want to thank Godsmack. <laughs> Godsmack and Marilyn Manson for making the kick-ass soundtrack to 1998. Now, want more great stories about veteran life and things affecting veterans? You got to check out ConnectingVets.com. And if you want to get this podcast on the regular, go ahead and download the Radio.com app, which will also introduce you to a world of other great podcasts and radio stations from around the country. And if you're finding us in the Apple Podcasts on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher, feel free to hit subscribe so I can always come to you each and every time a new episode drops. If you've got a story idea or somebody that we need to talk to, you can email me directly, phil at connectingvets.com. In the meantime, I'll be looking for useful veteran news and things that'll be just downright entertaining. And I'll be sure to file them all on the next Connecting Vets report. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fees 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. See T-Mobile.com.